Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. I think it puts everything in perspective this morning. Banner, very well done, very touching, wonderful tribute. And we thank all those that are a part of this church and our Zion Christian Academy community as well, who have served, who have paid a price. Maybe you have family in your legacy that have laid their life down. You remember them today and tomorrow, this weekend. Thank you, Chris. Father, we thank you this morning as we open your word, as we look to the Holy Spirit, as we go over into what Jesus said himself, it is better that I go so that the one who is coming, that he would be the one that would empower us, as the scriptures say, that we would do greater things than he's done. But not in a way of look at me, look at my platform, look at my stage, but that we can serve greater, that we can lay our lives down like those men and women who laid their lives down for us. God, we thank you today that we take the sobriety of this weekend and the sobriety of the Holy Spirit to be all that you've called us to be, to not waste a day, to waste a moment, to be all you've called and created us to be. We thank you, Lord. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm thankful today for the Holy Spirit, and I'm very thankful for the unifying quality of the Holy Spirit, and I I believe as we um, just lean in more to what he's doing, and I never try to cram everything about one topic or one subject into one service, so we've been in um, a little over three months talking about the life of Jesus, and we can't know the Holy Spirit without first knowing Jesus because the Holy Spirit never points to anything other than Jesus. So when you see Jesus, this is a attitude, an attribute, and a personality. The Holy Spirit's not gonna contradict who Jesus is. I think sometimes it's easier to know Jesus because Jesus had a body, right? We, we saw or the apostles knew his body, the scriptures record of the, the miracles and the, the wonders and the signs that he did with his body. But many times when we close our eyes, when we pray, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of the things, maybe of his manifestations, we think of tongues, or we think of a gift, or we think of a fruit, or we think of a symbol, water, fire, oil, all of these things. But Paul makes it clear in Corinthians that the Holy Spirit does have a body. He does have a temple. And guess who the body, guess who the temple of the Holy Spirit is? We are. And see, this is why it's important of how we even steward our body. This is not legalistic, this is not religious, but we are now the body of Christ in the world. Jesus had one body, but when he puts his spirit in all of us, he now has many bodies. We are all little Christ going into the world, proclaiming the gospel We talked of last week that we're not just on a mission, but we are on co-mission, right? That we are sent out with him, not without him. So Pentecost is um, is the accumulation of it all coming together 
is that he longs to dwell in us. He longs to dwell with us. And the way that we get to know him more is through a spirit of yielding, is through surrendering, is saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. It's waking up every day and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit, what are we on mission to do today? And I think many a times the Holy Spirit is the forgotten part of the Godhead because we don't understand him because maybe he's been portrayed to us if you've grown up in, in hyper-Pentecostal or charismatic churches it's, he's been portrayed weird or he's been portrayed as some force and not the ability to know him as a person. And when you know him as a person, when you know his character, when you know his heart, it's just like with my wife. I, she doesn't, I don't know her by the way that she makes me feel or how I make her feel. I know her by sitting down and talking with her, hearing her heart, her hearing my heart, that there is relationship with the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to encourage you to walk deeper with the Holy Spirit. And throughout this series, I pray that um, your eyes begin to be opened. This is why we chose the scripture in our communion um, table, is that Jesus, when you get around him, when you get around his spirit, your heart burns and your eyes are opened. These should be common attributes of a spirit-filled life. Your heart should remain burning and your eyes should continue to stay open. But again, the, the challenge I've, I have for us today is, yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but does he have us? Does he have the parts of your life that nobody knows about? Does he have your future? Have you given him your past? Many of us, we still walk around dead full of shame, guilt, and condemnation because of things that happened to us in our past. That's a part of surrendering as he touches all things. What did we say last week? He fills what? all things. And today, my heart and the best shepherd and pastor you will ever have is the Holy Spirit because he can touch areas of your life that are messy, that you don't know how to handle, you haven't even opened up and talked about. This is the relationship with the Holy Spirit we want is that he burrows deep into the parts of our life that we're ashamed of, the parts of our life that we don't know what to do with, and throughout this entire series, I pray that you open yourself up more to the Holy Spirit. Um, I love what one old preacher said, and this is kind of where the caricature of the Holy Spirit is. He gets, he gets so put in with having a prayer language or speaking in tongues. I have my prayer language. I speak in tongues. But he said, don't settle for the tongue when you could have the whole shoe. Don't settle for the tongue when you can have the whole shoe. Tongues is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It is not all-encompassing the person of the Holy Spirit. And my heart through this is that you get the whole shoe. Yes, you get your prayer language. Yes, you use your prayer language. You better use your prayer language if you got it because you need it. James says to stir up your most holy faith. And we're in an hour. You've got to be able to know the Lord and, and have that intimacy with the Lord but I want you to go deeper into the Holy Spirit. Go beyond tongues and questioning, if I don't have tongues, then that means I don't have the Holy Spirit. No, you have the Holy Spirit at salvation. Tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I believe in everyone's journey, it looks different when he puts and gives you the gift of tongues. And my heart is that you do have it, but don't get trapped there 
that you don't have a prayer language, therefore I don't have the Holy Spirit. Many people, they get tripped up here and they can't get beyond this. You know, Jesus says this in John 1, 29. And Jesus is introducing, or John is introducing who Jesus is. And I love what it says here. He says that the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, when you, this is the importance of of Jesus. This is why we have shirts that have Jesus on them. That there is a gaze. This was um, important with the um, iconography of how Jesus is depicted. Is there is a gaze in his eyes that should say, behold me. Because the best way that we get to know Jesus, we love Jesus, is when we behold him. A behold kind of gaze is, I am fixed on you and I am never taking my eyes off of him. Peter knew this, right? When he walked on water, he knew that he could do anything when he was fixated in the gaze of Jesus, when he beheld his gaze. But the minute that, that focus, the minute that gaze was broken, it's a picture for all of us. We will sink every day of the week when our focus is not correct, when our focus is disordered, when virtues are inverted and they become vices. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to fix your gaze on Jesus, and as that gaze is fixed, you can behold him and know him deeper. So as we behold him, I, I, throughout this series of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I, I wanna go into the book of Genesis. And Jordan, if you bring our lights up for a moment, I want you to see this in the book of Genesis. It says this, and we know this, we've heard it, a thousand times, we have an ark 45 minutes away and we have the Creation Museum 35 minutes away. So we should know these scriptures, right? We should live, eat, sleep, breathe creation because this is what our community has been known for. It's actually amazing. We have so many guests that even come through and, and visit the, the church here who are, are waiting to go to the ark it, and, and there's a whole ecosystem around this. But... Um, I, I love this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Look what this says in verse two. And it says what? And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here we see, even in creation, the spirit of God at work. The spirit of God, yes, exists outside time. It just wasn't, he just didn't come onto the scene at Pentecost. He has been working and since the beginning of time. You've got to know this, and you've got to see this, and you've got to appreciate this. And as you study this, as you understand what's taking place even here at creation, that even when the world was formless, void, when it was dark, when it was without form, that the Spirit of God did not reject that. He was not absent of that. And I pray you see where I'm going here. Even with your life in the moments when your life was formless, dark and void, the Holy Spirit was at work and hovering over you, just like he was over creation. You can get excited and say amen to that. So know this about the Spirit of God, that you could see this is day zero. Before God spoke, before he said anything, the Holy Spirit is at work and he's hovering. When you look at this word hovering, you can take it to the analogy of um, uh, an incubation, And in the incubation, the picture that I could best describe is like a mother hen that is sitting and hovering over its eggs. That as those eggs are being 
warmed by the mother, as they're growing, as they're protected and safe, that there is an incubation of the Holy Spirit that is available for your life. And many times when you're in this place of when your life or a situation or a circumstance is is dark, is void, is formless, you better thank God that the Holy Spirit has not left you, but he is hovering over you, reminding you who you are. We sang it this morning, I'm already loved, I'm already chosen, I know who I am, I know what you've spoken. This is that place that we see how the Holy Spirit can be active and operating. This is why it breaks my heart when I know people who are in their worst seasons, they run from God's house, not to it. Because this should be the place. This should be where the Holy Spirit is hovering. This should be, we should own the market per se, that when people are hurt, the church should be the first place they run. But this is not the case. And the enemy has perverted this. The enemy has so bogged it down in church politics and heresy and all the things we could list, the issues and problems. But this is who he is. And know this because the enemy will meet you at the place to deceive you that this is not what he does or how he works. You know, I think of scriptures that say, um, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When Jesus touches you, freedom enters your life. But then you think of the scriptures of, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Here's where a lot of people get bound and they stay bound. Is when Jesus touches you, you experience freedom. When the Holy Spirit touches you, you experience freedom. But the touch is just one dimension of it. The touch sets you free, but the teachings of Jesus, the teaching of the Holy Spirit keeps you free. And if we want to mature and grow as a church, yes, we need his touch, but you better believe we need to be taught. We need to be formed. We need to grow in the things of the Holy Spirit. So don't get so caught up or so fixated on, I need a touch, I need a touch, I need a touch, I need a touch, I need a touch. That's fun. That's receiving it. But then when you got to sit down, when you got to have some spiritual grit and you got to be taught, when you got to be formed, being formed hurts. Being formed is no fun. And many Christians get lost in in limbo, in this between phase when they're touched by him but then they don't go in to be taught by him. And I'm telling you today, parents, as we foster the presence of God even in our homes, is we gotta have a heart to teach who Jesus is. We get our children in the presence of God, but then we teach them who God is. We teach them about his love. And the best way you teach them is you live it, you walk it. We even see this in Acts 1.8. We know this about the Holy Spirit says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses. I think many times we can put, maybe you'll speak in tongues here or you will walk in healing or you'll walk in miracles. But you've got to understand one of the primary roles of the person of the Holy Spirit is to make you a witness, to make you a witness. Now we can even read this wrong about being a witness. We can read it as um, to go and, and um, to do witnessing, right? It's the act of evangelizing. It's the act of, of preaching or it's the act of serving uh, uh, somebody who's in need a hot meal. It's the act of, of giving something. We can kind of escape into what I'm doing versus the Spirit says here, when he comes upon you, he makes you a witness. 
And being a witness, hear me, is much harder than witnessing. Being a witness is your life speaks louder than what you're doing. Your routine is your witness. The way that you talk is your witness. Your heart posture, what you text, how you text it, how you Facebook, where you Facebook. All of these things is being a witness. And when the Spirit of God touches you, hear this, it's an inside job first before it's ever an outside job. And many times we want to run to the mission, we want to run to the doing versus saying, Holy Spirit, this is a perpetual washing, a perpetual regeneration where your spirit is constantly filling me and forming me in my insecurity, in my weaknesses, because there's too many a times we hide behind even, we, we hide our insecurities behind what I'm doing versus becoming this witness. And I'm telling you, your kids will snuff it out before you even do. Your kids see it all, right? We can't hide anything from them. And I thank God in this relationship of parent and child, it's a reminder that we've got to focus more on being a witness versus witnessing. So this is the hard work of growing up in the Holy Spirit. Remember last week, we talked about Jesus is in the business of making sure you're not enslaved to perpetual immaturity. Many Christians, we stay weak, we stay feeble, and um, like the gospel story we see in Acts chapter 2, if you put this up, in Acts chapter 2, Uh, verse 2 through 3, or Acts chapter 3, I think it is. It says this, it says, and a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which he called beautiful. This man was lame from birth, and he was carried every week to get to the temple. As he was carried, it says that he would ask for alms. He'd ask for money from those who entered the temple. So no, see this, please. He's sitting Outside the temple, he's not in the temple. He is carried into the temple. He does not walk into the temple. And then we get into the story. For lack of time, we won't go all into it, but please read it on your own. There's your homework from pastor this week. But it says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So then we see that Peter and John say, gold and silver do we not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. We see a miracle take place. We then see the result of the miracle. He began rejoicing, jumping, dancing, and singing. If you just got a set of legs that you never had, you better believe you would kick, jump. You'd do everything that possible that you think your legs could do. We see the, the miracle. But look at his condition before the miracle. Is He was lame before birth. I think many of us, this can be an analogy and in, in deep symbolism, that before we give more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit, before we begin walking in the Holy Spirit, we don't have a set of legs. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts life in us. He takes our lame bodies because we are born into this world like this man with infirmities, with sin, that only the Holy Spirit can touch and put life in our legs. The enemy is after your intimacy. He's after your closeness. And you know why? Because he knows the, the minute you and him get close, the work of the enemy is void in your life. You begin to catch on what he's doing. You begin to say, wait, he's trying to keep me infirmed and from getting up and walking. And you see, I find it as we look even at the condition of different Christians, of immaturity and maturity, is notice he stood outside the temple begging. 
This is where the enemy wants to keep us, outside of God's house, begging for anything and everything that will fix our need. Versus, think if his friends could get him inside the temple, around the word of God. Maybe he could have been like Entrell, one of the world's best greeters, giving high fives as they're going into the temple, right? So there's a mindset here. There's an attitude here. We get comfortable in our conditions. We get comfortable in our immaturity. And Peter and John were not going to take care of spiritual babies, putting them in a stroller, pushing them around his whole life. And I think many pastors, many churches, it's a double stroller where pastors and leaders are pushing people constantly, never giving them the meat, never giving them the truth because they want to keep tithe coming in, because they want to keep members coming in. All of the things that keep pastors from truly pastoring and loving you getting you out of perpetual immaturity and into a place of saying, this is what you need. You don't need gold and silver, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Here are your legs. Think about this too. Last five years, we've just been having babies, so I've learned a lot about babies. No more. We'll see. When a baby comes out of the womb, they have a set of legs, correct? Okay. So when a baby comes out, they are given a set of legs, but it takes months, if not years, for that baby to learn how to walk. Many a times in our walk with God, there are things that we want now that we are too immature to even understand or not ready and are trying to shortchange the process to get to the platform or to get to the gift before there's not even fruit to sustain the gift. The legs are a gift, and you got to learn how to walk that gift out. And what I'm telling you today is if you can change your prayer a little bit, if you can begin to say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I am open to you. Help me walk before I run and run before I jump. Don't try to get out ahead of it, but say, mature me first and foremost, because this is the greatest thing he can do in us. Because as we said of last week, when you understand being perfect as he is perfect, as the scripture say, being holy as holy, it's not being flawless, Say it's not flawless. Say it again, it is not flawless. That's religion. But perfection is maturity. It's we are growing up in him. And naturally, your body is going to grow up. But is your mind growing up as well? Is your heart growing up as well? Or are you just a big kid in a big body? We know people like this and we see the result of that. And we have a, a generation of Christians that are big kids and big bodies that have not grown up in Christ, that haven't got their legs. So we see the spirit working. We see how he does, that he's not afraid of the formless parts of your life. And even today as I'm ministering, I pray that you would say, Jesus, come to this void in my life, the financial void. Come to the relationship void, come to my marriage void and let him touch those places because when he does, he does it in a way, his touch then takes you to be taught and you grow up and you see the joy of when you learn something new, you see the revelation. Did you know too, in day one, which is always fun and interesting if you've not studied creation, is that in day one, light was created The first thing God said was, let there be. So we see the spirit hovering, and then it goes into verse three, 
It said, then God said, let there be light. The sun wasn't created until I believe day four. My science teacher. I might get that wrong. But anyways, the sun, the light was created before the sun was created. And you got to see this. And if you have a question, if you question this, you ask, how in the world was light created before there was sun? This makes you scratch your head, makes you question things. And when you're young, you can kind of read over these things and miss some of these details. But light was created before there was sun. But you got to understand that light here is being um, in the understanding of revelation, of God's wisdom, of his knowledge, of his truth, that this was the first thing he created was knowledge, was his truth, that there was light. And so when there's light being created, you've got to see in the list of priorities of what is important to God is that he wants you to be filled with his truth. When the Holy Spirit touches you, when he hovers over you, he puts truth in you. He doesn't put folly. He doesn't put fallacy. He doesn't put um, a Disney story. He doesn't put a fantasy. He puts truth and he creates it in you. And this is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's, God is the only one who is wise and who gives us wisdom, the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be connected to this wisdom and it comes in renewing our minds. Because at the end of the day, when you've allowed the enemy to have his way in your life through a choice, through ignorance, and, and you feel God touch you, say that demonic oppression or that demon leaves you. A lot of the times when you study and you look into how these things work is the time that the enemy was demonically influencing you, a stronghold was created in your mind. And so in that time of where you've been set free of demonic oppression, you then have to go and renew your mind so that the stronghold is deconstructed. Many of us are walking around saying, I am set free, and you are, but you've not dealt with the place of a stronghold. So you still have the same thought patterns. You still think in that way or you're still connected to that sickness or you're connected to that infirmity. It, it, it still bears influence in your life because you've not dealt with the stronghold. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with bloodline generational curses, to deal with strongholds. These things, as we go into the things of the Spirit, these are the places he begins to touch and bring freedom in our lives. So we see how he creates, even at the beginning, the role of the Holy Spirit. And as we see all of these things, we've got to understand that um, unyielded power. I've seen in all my years of being in church, my grandmother starting this church, the thousands of people that have gone in and out of here, of what a motive will do with someone and how it will send them out faster than it sent them in. If you look at our church, we're small for a reason. And the reason we're small is because along the way, we made decisions we don't want to compromise. Along the way, we made decisions of we want to, to genuinely try to be who God's called us to be. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things and moments that can happen in decades of being a church and a ministry. And some people, they get in their head an expectation. And when you don't meet an expectation, I'm blamed for the pastors who hurt them in another church because now they see me as a pastor 
So now I'm having to unwind that expectation that I don't even know an expectation is there. See, there's things you hear as a pastor outside of here, judgments, critiques, and when you hear judgments and critiques, you're like, well, that's not how I was communicating or that was not my intent, my heart at all. And so when you get into the weeds of trying to live in that thicket, that is the quickest death of a church or a pastor that you'll ever find. And what I'm trying to tell you today, there is a love language of the Holy Spirit that brings true and genuine unity, that you don't get caught in the pettiness. You don't get caught up in these ways of how we're going to grow the church and we're going to enlist everyone into their spiritual gifts to keep them moving so that they don't get bored and they stay in a church. I'm telling you, when you peel behind the curtain, this is where a lot of these conversations take place. And the things I'm speaking up until the point we break ground in our new building, we are setting a precedence as a church because a lot of the times people who start in day zero never get to the day of rest. And I'm telling you today, if you cannot cut and run, if you cannot jump out of your relationship with God, I'm not even just talking as a church here, but if you can stay committed and faithful, stay on the meat of the word, not go to the milk when it gets easy, you're gonna see a maturity that will rise up in you that no insecurity stronghold can come up against, that no anxiety can come up against, that no depressive thoughts can take you down. We live in the most disunified culture, I think we could all say we've seen in a long time. Nobody gets along anymore. Leadership and employee don't get along anymore. All of these things of these dynamics are so skewed, hurt, and we need a touch of God. Yes, in the church, but even obviously outside the church. And so when you stand up here and you pastor like this, these are the thoughts that go in my head. And when you have a problem-solving mind like I do, you say, I will run myself ragged to try to problem-solve everything. That's where you're gonna say, Holy Spirit, you do it. You fix it. I'm gonna catch them, and then I need you to wash them. I need you to heal them because I can't do anything. So there's gotta be this trust you have with the Holy Spirit that he works in spite of, that he works best in the messes that we make. He works best in the places and the messes that we don't even make, but now we have to go clean up, right? It's a lot of the times with a parent, you're cleaning up messes you did not create all the time. So we've gotta understand the fruit. And I wanna close with this. Mike and, and Bree, if you would help me close. Got a, a great song they're going to do. I believe it's going to encourage you. But if I were to, Bree and I were talking about this this morning, if I were to take two apples, one being an Apple product, so we'll take an Apple Watch, and if I were to take, um, I don't have it. If I was in youth group, I would have it for sure. Teens love analogies. I love analogies. But I would take a, a real piece of fruit, right? Uh, a green apple. You have an apple here, an apple watch. That green apple would be the fruit and the watch would be the gift. Many a times, we've got to understand that gifts don't feed us. We want them to feed us. So we feel good with a gift, but it's the fruit that feeds us. Here's the thing. 
Brie doesn't care how much I speak in tongues. She cares how I speak with my tongue to her in English. Do I honor her? Do I respect her? That's not a gift, that's a fruit. And if we can be more fruit conscious than we are gift conscious, I can tell you we will see our churches change. We will see respect and honor levels fly through the roof because we actually care what comes out of our mouth, what we put with our thumbs. We care more about hiding behind the gift because it is shiny, it's expensive, it looks good, it has function, but fruit, if you were to see how a tree produces fruit, it doesn't sit there and strain and groan to get fruit to pop out. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes maturity. Fruit takes a tree that's gotta go down deep And then when, in the process of time, when that fruit is ready to bear, you then go pick it. But guess what? You can't bite bite right into it because it's sour before it's sweet. See, I want to be, I want the fruit of my life to serve you, not my gift to just bless you. Preaching is a gift. You're being taught. You're learning something. The scriptures are being opened. That's one part. But what if we actually cared more about the fruit, that the fruit of my life would actually serve you, how I treat you, calling you, texting you, being kind with you, coming alongside of you, all of those things. Then the gift is just a plus. But we live in a church world today, if I can be honest, that has all the gifts, but there's no fruit to sustain them. And if we can build a church, I'm telling you, that cares more about the fruit if you can step back and think before you speak, if we can try, as the scriptures say, to love one another, truly be motivated in love, we will see God do things. And guess what? You will have a marriage where she can take my fruit, I can take her fruit. We are feeding each other. This is a part of what your fruit does and how you love having self-control, all the, the nine fruits we see. Don't hide behind the gift. Don't go for the flashy. The Holy Spirit is supernatural, not spectacular. We get those lines blurred. We look for the spectacular when he's supernatural. We look for what he can do for us, not what he can do in us. This is a difference. And I feel the spirit of God today. I've gone way off my notes and I get into dangerous territory, but these are usually the places that I believe the Lord is speaking to us today. And I'm telling you, there is a harvest our church is moving into. And I want all of us to get to day seven. I want all of us in our walk with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. There's nothing worse when you see Christians who have thrown in the towel, when they've stopped fighting, when they've stopped praying, when they've stopped interceding, when they've stopped fighting for their family because it got too hard, because the cross got too heavy. Well, here's the thing. You're never meant to carry it alone. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, don't go out on mission. It is a co-mission. You have to go with me. That's why I'm sending my spirit because you can't do it alone. And when we do things alone is where we mess up. When we do things out of pride, out of ego, This is where we mess up. I've been there. We've all been there. But I'm telling you today, if you will be more fruit conscious than a gift, you gotta do it in order. God is a God of order. When you get the fruit, 
you'll see the gift become a blessing, not be the very thing that takes you down, not be the very thing that the enemy uses because you are so depleted in your gift. He now has a doorway to tempt you, to deceive you. I leave you with this, Galatians 5.16. It says this, it says, walk in the spirit. Can you say that? Walk in the spirit and you won't what? You're not gonna fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say that the, the lust of the flesh won't be there. It's just you won't fulfill it. You see, walking in the spirit is you're yielding to one of two things. You're either yielding to your flesh or you are yielding to the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in him, you got your legs. The lust, the temptation, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life will be there. But guess what? You will not fulfill it. You can conquer it. You can have victory over it. And as you get into Galatians, it, it speaks of this. And lust is this, it's like an itch. And you think if I scratch it, it'll go away. If I just look once instead of twice, if I just eat this at a certain time of day, then I'll have enough time to walk off the couch. All of the things we do, if I just scratch it, it goes away. But it's like athlete's foot. The more you scratch it, the more you give into it, the more it itches, the more it hurts, the more it doesn't go away. Then it begins bleeding. So don't believe the lie and give into it. But understand, as we walk in the Spirit and as we get into this series, you're not going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We're going into a month known as pride that is all about fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Can we reclaim the month and say it's a month of the Spirit? It's a month of the Holy Spirit. And I know everyone has different opinions and thoughts, but we've got to go by the Word of God. And we can't get caught up in agendas, hashtags, movements, all of these things. We've got to go by what does his spirit say? And anything that says this will fulfill the lust of your flesh is not the Holy Spirit. And this goes in many different capacities and many different ways. But as we look at the season of our culture, all of this will be so drained and poured into your social feeds, into your emails, and is a good pastor, I want to pastor you through this. Where you don't hate, but love is not love. Love is created by God. And love is poured out through the Holy Spirit. And unless you ever have a pouring out of his love, you will not understand what true love is. And the thing that breaks my heart is that there is such a brokenness of how we get to experience love. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the only one that you will ever experience real love. And if we can tell the world that there is an answer to your seeking, to your longing, things can change. And I pray today that we can take this, that we get our legs, that we walk in the spirit and that we don't fall for the phony, we don't fall for the fake, we don't fall for the perversion that we see at work and at play with so many agendas, with so much manipulation. You are here in God's house today, and guess what? You have access to the real thing. You can know God in a real way. You can have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you I would not be standing today if I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I don't know how pastors who say he's done, he's gone, 
it passed with the apostles. I don't know how you get up and how you preach without the Holy Spirit because you can't. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.